Hey guys, welcome to the Newman Experience. I'm here with Maureen. We come to you every single month and give you this great content. You can catch the video content. It's always uploaded to YouTube, our YouTube channel, the Newman Experience channel, and then the audio per portion is always uploaded to our podcast. All right. Um, <clears throat> what we're going to talk about today in this one, we're going to touch on two big topics. All right. So on the top of our minds these days is a lot of have to do with school. So the two big topics we're going to talk about this uh, uh, this session here is about what parents should look for with remote learning okay and then how to establish a successful environment at home for them during potential remote learning now all schools are in these different potential phases right yes. so can you first off we should probably start with giving you an idea as to why I wanted to I mean we always talk to Maureen but I wanted to really talk to her about school because of your background and what you do as yep. your profession so give it to us what have you done from uh, what's your degree in and what do you do now all that okay so a I background a little background yeah besides the Maureen's meals piece. besides the Maureen's, besides meals. Maureen's yes. meals I actually do have a, a real job yeah I do um, so I taught public school for 15 years I Where? taught in Reading I yep. taught elementary school anywhere from first to fifth grade i also taught preschool for a year oh nice yeah um and for the last three years now i've been working as an adjunct professor at endicott college teaching pre-service teachers yep. how to prepare for the field and i also work as a private consultant oh, uh, what's your courses that you teach at endicott oh sorry that's big that's important for right now especially very valuable well, yes. piece of information. I teach a course called Integrating Technology in the Classroom. So Huge. very Yes, very, applicable. very valuable. And then I work with pre-service teachers. So um, student teachers out in the field, observing them, supporting, yep. coaching. And then I work <laughs> as a private consultant for a consulting company, um, educational consulting company. And who do they work for, the private consulting agency? We work for school districts from Massachusetts to New Hampshire, and we're expanding um, due to all the changes that are going Can you give us on. an idea as to some of the schools that, can you tell us the schools that you have gone into? I don't know that I'm supposed to tell them. Okay, that's fine. But <laughs> they, you, you've been able to help a lot. Yes. 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 And I've done a lot of coaching around technology, but also... Um, one of the biggest jobs that I've had has been around the idea of classroom management and how to establish expectations and hold students accountable yep. for expectations in the classroom. So that kind of transfers. Yeah, and you're at a point right now where you are a, you, you don't like tooting your own horn, but you're a highly <laughs> sought after mind in what's going on right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we should be able to extract some good information yes. from you over the course of this conversation right so um, I was thinking though is it helpful to back up and start with you in terms of so where we're gonna go is kind of talk about remote learning because that's a very real possibility but what's the medical perspective of why that's most likely going to happen what is happening medically with COVID so as of right now, COVID, and this is going to cause this podcast to go on a little, like become oh, a little larger, but we're in a situation where the virus spreads so rapidly, right? And it spreads without our knowledge the majority of the time that we are going to see cases rise 
whenever humans congregate together. It doesn't matter the age that they're at. The virus doesn't care if you are young or you're old. All it cares about is that you have lung tissue, human lung tissue, and it gets into that and then affects your cardiovascular system, right? So it's a resp it, its main mode of integration into the human um, host, right, is through the respiratory system, right? So when, it, as long as you have similar lung tissue, right, as a child or an elderly person, which we all do because we're all humans, we are susceptible to contracting COVID, right? And then when it comes down to the severity of the symptoms in which you present as, right? So the you, you may be a higher likelihood of mortality if you are older, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you have other conditions going on. If you're younger, your immune system should be more capable of handling it, but that doesn't mean that you're not gonna see kids become positive, right? They should hopefully respond better to that virus than uh, adults. I mean, that's just the nature of the way that the virus operates or all viruses operate, all right? So I foresee, even though I've got two boys in the Pentucket school system, right? You have two boys in uh, Rowley in a private school, right? Your kids are in a kind of a choose your own option. The, uh, the teachers are gonna be in school. If the parents need to send the kids to school and they're comfortable sending the kids to school, you send them, that's great. Right? If you want to watch the live feed of their classroom at home, you can't. Right? You have, well, you have to. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. You have so to, you have yeah. to be present for class, which is either yeah. tuning into the live stream or yeah. being physically in class. Now, with the public school in Merrimack, as of right now, they have approved a hybrid model, which is, right? Uh, it is Monday remote all. Yep. And then half the school is going to be Tuesday, Thursday classes. The other half, half is going to be Wednesday, Friday classes, yep. right? So it seems as though as time gets closer and closer and closer, a lot of schools across the nation are choosing a hybrid model. I mean, we can see, I mean, uh, choosing a remote model. They're falling back on a remote model. Would you say that? Uh, I think we're heading that direction. You're seeing yes. that? Yeah. In what yep. you know? Yep. Yep. I'm seeing it as numbers or not numbers, we gotta start thinking of it as percent positives, right? So percent positives means we test a certain amount of people and we wanna see the number of people uh, that have positive as a lower percentage of the amount of people we test, right? Mm -hmm. The World Health Organization usually uses a, they wanna see, I forget the percent, but it's certainly lower than 10% that they wanna see. They wanna test enough people that 10% only 10% come back positive. And when yeah. we start seeing more people come back positive, that means that the virus is more present in our community, right? So the percent positive has increased over the last week or so in Massachusetts since we have um, gone into phase three or established into phase three, right? So we may see it go up high enough that Governor Baker restricts our access to a lot of these places. Yeah. Um, including school in, including school right so we're looking at a i'm foreseeing over the course of the year a situation where we want to foster we're predicting a, a heavily remote learning environment for the kids and we want to make sure that we foster a successful yeah. um a successful uh experience in that yep <laughs> now give us an idea as to from a 
from a teacher perspective, because in all honesty, I think a lot of people that don't know a lot about teaching think that you're kind of like a daycare and yeah. you teach for a bit. And I mean, the kids just are going to get smarter as they age anyways. Right. So we, we think that, I mean, that there isn't all that much that goes into it, but give us an idea as to what actually has to transition and change from a in-person teaching method for someone that's taught that way for a while to remote to like give, give us a teacher perspective here so I think one of the hardest things is and I know I felt this myself as um, just in teaching my course when I had to move remote in the spring yeah and this is with 18 and 19 and 20 year olds yeah who should be capable of that yep. ease of transition yeah but from a teacher perspective, I think one of the hardest parts is you rely so much on the nonverbal cues and the feedback that you get from your students in that physical setting mm -hmm. to sort of dictate what the next steps are going to be like. So there's a lot of pre-planning that goes into teaching, but there's a lot of like in the moment, I'm noticing this, I'm observing this, here's what we're going to do. There's a lot of swift changes something as subtle as the subtle as the kid not looking at you when you ask him if he's getting it or this yeah. or that like those things so you take that whole class instruction or small group instruction and you put it on zoom and the ability to read the room as we say is so much harder so what is reading the room reading What's the room that? is picking up on all of those verbal cues and that's something that's established in education like your your um, education at, to become a teacher like that's a big it is, but it, it's not really something that you get good at until you've done it. Yep. It's, it's a lot of learn by experience. Yep. So to move, to be able to make instructional decisions based on reading what's happening in a Zoom or a Google Meet yep. is really, really hard. Yeah. So we have to find tools yep. that can sort of um, do that work for us yep. right we have to get better at reading the room virtually but then we also have to enhance that work with some digital tools because as a teacher you're in that constant cycle of here's what I planned instruction feedback redirect assess like mm -hmm. and then start all over again yeah so it's taking that whole cycle and now that you just sort of do intuitively as a teacher yes. and you've got to find tools to replicate that. I really think that anytime you're dealing with humans uh, like in an educational manner, it's very intuitive it's, and yeah. there's, there's a very physical uh, connection to that intuitive nature, right? Like I, I couldn't imagine doing telehealth all the time as opposed to reading yeah. the patient as they come in based off of the way of their mannerisms their yeah. tempo and the way that they talk all those things yep that's all huge it is and you know you know there's so much talk now about um well there should always be and has been talk about social emotional learning yeah but it's obviously magnified at the moment because everyone is very concerned and rightfully so about what sort of the impact yeah this what sort of traumatic experiences or just yeah. how people's mental health needs have not been being met. But in a physical classroom, once you know your students, you can pick up on those things yeah. the minute they walk in the door. 
the you bell rings at 8 15 at 8 16 somebody walks in the door you're you know, ready to respond yeah. and so it's it's those things that become really difficult in the virtual setting yep so so how many what were you going to go to i was going to say a lot of that responsibility now falls on, falls the, parents. on the parents yeah and in some sense it's well Okay. But before we get okay. into that, because okay. that's the first bullet point, I want to give the parents, right, it falls on the parents, but give us an idea with your experience treating, I mean, uh, educating uh, elementary, college, how many of these teachers, knowing the age ranges of the teachers and what's expected of the teachers, the educational uh, how teachers were educated coming out. How many of these teachers that are out there right now, to be honest, are going to be capable of handling that on an online, in a remote setting? I don't know it's that I It's not really can... trained into their, yeah. it, it's not part of their curriculum really, right? And I don't know that I can put a percentage on it, but it's going to be difficult for a lot of educators. And so much of it is beyond their control. Yeah, it's, such it's not their fault. It's a systematic issue that has been exposed. Yeah. Like, opened gaping wound of the vulnerabilities of the public school system. Yeah. You know, COVID has exposed all of that. Um, and so, I, I want to make a point to say, like, you have to remember that the teachers are doing the very best that they can yeah because it's not their fault that they're not set up for this it's not necessarily the administrative administrator's fault it's not necessarily the district's fault this is a giant systematic issue that i don't know how is going to be resolved yeah um but just you know when you find yourself frustrated with your child's teacher or with how remote learning is going just try to take pause and remember that yeah they're trying and they weren't they weren't trained to do this as yeah. much as we think that it should be an easy flip of the switch yeah. to transition to remote the teachers were not trained for this so that means that yeah it does fall back on the parent yeah. so what we want to talk about is some have Maureen go through some ideas on how to be more in tune with your child to know when something is more of a more significant of a situation where you need to reach out to your mm -hmm. your teacher on your own right you may not be someone you send your kids to school and you just okay it's school they're in school it's taken care of and yeah. they come home with a report card and they got great grades and you think everything's fine but you're going to be with your kids going to be out of school more frequently this year no matter what yeah. right so there are going to be have to be things that you catch whether their grades might not be slipping but they are they may be falling out of good habits for school, yeah. stuff like that, yeah. all right? So what are some key things to look out for? Um, to look out for or things that we should do? To look out for. To then we're going to go over okay. how to establish okay. a healthy environment, right? I think one of the biggest indicators that your child is struggling is when they get into a battle with you. With you? As or the parent. About school? About or? school. As in what? What are some of the things? I don't like school anymore, like those types of things? And just um, like an unwillingness for you to be playing that role of a teacher. Mm -hmm. Right? So well, we that's pretty common, I would assume. Yeah. I think 
for a lot of kids, home is supposed to be that safe, supportive. Yep. And schools obviously are safe and supportive as well. Yep. They may. And this is know. why later we're going to give tools on yep. how to structure this. Yep. But for a lot of students, they very much need that boundary between school and home. And school is school and home is home. And it's really hard to blur those lines. Think about how hard it yeah. is for anybody that's working at home <laughs> who has to all of a sudden find themselves working from home those lines and those boundaries get very blurred and before yeah. you know it you're not just working from nine to five you're working all day mm -hmm. because you're home most definitely and so i think if you find yourself in a battle with your child over school it's time to walk away and i personally experienced this on a that daily day? weekly that day weekly i would say if it becomes a repeated occurrence yep. okay. um, then that's a great time to reach out to your ch child's teacher yeah you know and I did this in the spring and I was very upfront in saying that I'm willing to help and support my child but at this point it's not worth risking that relationship yes with your child over a math problem yeah and if you really approach it as a partnership with the with the teachers, you know. And yeah, don't worry about being annoying this year, right? Like being the annoying parent. Yeah. It's gonna stink for teachers, but yeah. you have to. Yeah. And so, in our experience, we were able to um, set up so that my oldest just, whenever he was struggling with something, he had an arrangement. He emailed his teacher, and then at an appropriate time. They got together on Google Meet and they worked it out together in the way that it should teacher yep. to student. Yep. Right? Not mom playing the role as a teacher, mm -hmm. but teacher to student. I yep. think that's really important. Yeah, that's huge. And we saw big success with that. Yeah. Right? Because yep. that was challenging. It was really hard. For you. I, I, I tried to help out as much as I could. You were, <laughs> you were great. I was great, yeah. All right. So what other types of things could stand out think about do you have any idea on what any like high school kid might be experiencing that isn't able to play their sport that they want to that they want to yeah. play i think you have to look especially for the older kids that's a great point like you have to really look at um indicators of withdrawal yeah right if you see all of a sudden your your student really withdrawing from typical family um, engagements dinner or mm -hmm. just really um, or choosing stimu stimulants of some sort like to replace video games yeah to replace it um, because that's going to be huge for athletes like they video have games, no yeah. they have no season yep Oh, um, for, for, for athletes, yes. Yeah, to have that sort of outlet removed for them. And that's yeah. not just for athletes. That's musicians and anybody who's into anything extracurricular. Yep. So they're going to find, this is the way, I mean, humans operate. We will find something to replace it. Yep. We'll find something to replace that stimulant, right? So for a football player going into season, I mean, that that is a stimulant to them. The practice, yeah. it's exciting. So they will find something to replace it. So we got to keep an eye on it, right? And it might be hard for 
um, that age range too because the kids will be more defiant to withdraw and things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, we'll get into some things a little later as to how to try to combat that. And it comes down to really structure, right? Yep. So what other types of things are sticking points that we should keep an eye out for? Uh, if a teacher reaches out to us in any way, what are some things that mean that it's a it's a bigger issue than we may lead on? Um, particular milestones for particular age ranges and things like that. If your kid's falling too far behind or um, their needs aren't being met. Do you have anything off the top of your head? I think it's, it's time to just really um, take that at face value. And if, you know, I think a lot of times our tendency as parents is to um, explain away why someone might be, you know, yeah. why a particular why my son might be yes. struggling or, oh, well, there's this reason or whatever. Yeah. Just take it yeah. at face value and trust that in this situation, if a teacher is reaching out to you with a concern, then it needs to be, it's, it's it needs to be managed. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, you're completely right. Like it's highly, highly likely that a good portion of the parents are going to sit there and if their child is struggling a little bit, it's going to be very easy to blame it on the school and blame it on um, the COVID situation mm -hmm. and blame it on the situation, right? And rather than take accountability and try to do as much as you can yourself yep. to help the situation out. And I think just, you know, recognizing that it's not a reflection of how well you're doing supporting yeah. <laughs> your student at home or not. Like, I hesitate to say this, but we're asking, public schools and school systems in general are asking an awful lot of families at the moment. They have no choice. Yeah. But it, what else is there to do, right? We're putting a very big burden on families. So the more that you can try to work with the schools and coordinate with teachers and it, it really does like we say it all the time in the field of education like it takes a village yeah it takes more than a village a at community this point. it and that sense of community i think is what's going to get a lot of people through yeah and we this need next to school year. we really need to establish a community systems yep. again because they have fallen apart over the last yep. 10 20 years yeah all right now can you give us any idea as to if a parent feels like the teacher of their child is not being helpful enough can they reach out to someone else I would say first and foremost always always share your concerns with the teacher first first yep and be upfront about the fact that if you feel like you're not getting the response that you hoped for yep. that then you will go and speak with administration gotcha. because from a teacher perspective there's nothing worse than knowing that a parent has bypassed you and gone straight to administration yep. because now you're in the position of explaining yourself yeah to administration okay. and that stinks nope, that's good to know all right cool anything else of issues to look out for before we try to give families ideas on how to prevent these yeah. in the first place because we aren't really going to fix stuff after it happens we're looking to establish systems yep. so that we thrive in them right no i think those are the big ones because to to anybody who 
isn't trained as an educator or you know to the untrained eye you might not notice the little academic achievements that may or may not have been met okay. but you will notice changes in your child's behavior and i think those are the biggest indicators whether it's increased frustration increased anger withdrawal anything that feels different is certainly worth a quick email to the teacher to say hey what can we do about this yeah. or here's what i'm noticing good awesome all right now to phase two of our conversation here okay how are we fixing this how are we going to fix all this so you are someone give us an idea as to the environment for us when we were remote learning originally because i when i shut down the office quarantined i wanted to wake up a little later yeah, that day yeah. and i woke up to maureen in full-on even though she wasn't leaving the house full-on regular clothes and you established a routine yeah. of no change yeah. nothing has changed right so give me an idea of that thought process at home our children our students whether they realize it or not and whether they admit it or not crave routine they crave structure right they are so used to they may not like it but they are so used to that structure of school and the calendar and they know when their breaks are coming up and then summer vacation all right i gotta get back into it like that is their life so you as a teacher you train this routine into them when they're not in school. even it just naturally happens because of the school calendar i think right so you take that away and all of a sudden it's supposed to be a school day but oh i'm gonna sleep in till yeah. 11 and now i've got to do this work I would really, as much as possible, and everybody's situation is different. Yeah. Everybody's situation is different. As much as possible, create a routine that works for your family. Yeah. For us, it happened to work that we got up, we got dressed, we had breakfast, the kids ate their breakfast, they brushed their teeth, they set up their little workstations. Yeah, nothing changed. Nothing changed other than us physically getting in the car and driving to school. And at 8.30, you even had a school bell at one I point. played the bell. Which they hated. Yep. They would be outside and playing, and I would play the bell, and they would come in. Yeah. Like little Pavlov's dogs. Yeah. And they would come right in, and they would sit at their station. Yeah. But it made a difference because they knew it communicated to them in a, in a nonverbal way that this was important. Yeah. And this was your job. So... You know, in the spring, it was like from 8.30 to 12, it's going to be a little bit harder when remote learning kicks in because now it's going to be a full day. Yes. So, and again, from compared to elementary and then secondary, there's a difference. Um, I think there's a little bit more flexibility mm -hmm. in the older grades because I've heard from a lot of people that... They're going to have such a hard time. Well, I've heard it really has worked out for high schoolers too because they can sort of dictate their own schedule and yeah. they can go work yeah. and then they can come home. But I think the key is working with your family and working with your children to create a routine and once you establish it, stick to it. Like yeah. we were sticklers. We were. Monday through Thursday night, <laughs> they it was were a little not much. happy. It was a little much for me. But, but <laughs> it was like, it's a school night. Yeah, we did the, the exact same 
thing as if they were going to school. Yeah, no TV in the morning like they would nope. on the weekend. Nope. They read every night like yep. they would during the week. They went to bed at the same time. They got dressed. They woke up and they got dressed. Yep. I mean, they weren't really wearing school clothes, but, but whatever. Still, they, they got dressed. Um, and that routine was huge. It was and huge. the yep. the the calendar that you have on the wall too. Like yep. they would look at that thing every day, every day. And you saying that about the calendar of how like a teacher would have the calendar up there, and they yep. would see that like that was that for them. Like they need that. They really do thrive yep. off that. And they knew because it's it is a lot to ask them to work at home. Yeah. But if they knew, all right, I'm in the nine to nine thirty learning block. I've got snack. We mm -hmm. literally had snack on the calendar because they live and die by food. So yeah. Um, so I guess if you really think about it, like in our habit formation sec in our habit yeah. formation um, service on our website on the Newman Experience website, we have a lot of experience in the or reading and education about the cues and how yeah. there are all these cues that happen similar to a Pavlov's dog that happen yeah. and then the response happens so as we age it's I guess it would be a good way to think about it is as we're older we have finally gotten to a stage where we can establish our own cues yeah. we can make our own cues but yeah. as a child we are incapable cognitively to develop our own cues and those visual reminders and the visual cues, I think, are really are important. Huge. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Huge. Okay. And we have examples of. I mean, I'm gonna have to revise mine, but. Yeah. Of um, cues. The the schedule. Oh yeah, you had the schedule up on the wall, so you that's can, a good thing. So the calendar is a big tip, right? And then a schedule up on the wall. Yep. Something as easy as a chalkboard, or a little pull tab thing, and. Yep. On Pinterest, you found that great thing. You get those little, what are they, butterfly-like little clasps? Little, and yeah. you flip them over? On the, yeah, so they yeah. can um, clip off. Like, they're binder clips. Binder clips, yep. So if we have the schedule on the clipboard, and they mm -hmm. just flip the clip over to show what they've completed. Yep. That gives them a sense, too, of ownership over. Yeah, because they flip it off, yeah. Because we all know how much we like checking stuff off. That's right. Humans love checking stuff off. Yeah. All right, so we've got that how do you create this successful environment in the house their location to learn how do you create that um that's still a work in progress for us but ideas but. where your mindset is because is it their bed is it the kitchen table is it where is this place again i think it probably depends family to family but we have always felt very strongly that their bedrooms are sort of like sacred places for Sleeping just places. sleep yep. granted we let that go a little bit in quarantine stuff stuff city stuff stuff city to all their stuffed animals so. they've been evicted yes so it's just a sleeping place now so we don't have them working in their bedrooms i depending on the age of your children i think for our elementary age students it's really important to be as physically in, in as close physical proximity as possible, but still giving them mm -hmm. their own space. So we just ordered four new desks. We did, yeah. We're turning the playroom into their a, desk a area. home office. They each have their own space. It's predictable. They know every day, just like they would at school. So, you don't have to spend the first 10 minutes of your day looking for a pencil. Everything you need is right there. You're set up for success. Binder. Pencil boxes, their own space, as hard as it is sometimes as a parent 
don't go into your kid's pencil box and grab yeah. the pen if you need it to write something, right? Like that's their yeah. space. Yeah. Those are healthy boundaries. So their own location, right? Whether it even be the kitchen table, but it transitions into their yeah. workspace, right? It yeah. is not the kitchen table and they've got their stuff off to the side and everything else is off to the side. Like it transitions during school time to their learning yeah. space. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And you know, everybody keeps joking like, Oh, no need to buy school supplies this year, but wow. I would highly recommend if you get a suggested school supply list or whatever, I would get some stuff. I would get it, get them a pencil box, get yep. their own notebooks. Back to school shop, back to yeah. school clothes shopping, right? Like Why those not? types of cues I think yeah. are huge to help kids establish because we got to think these kids, they even if they're in high school, like they are kind of in human nature just like we were in getting back out into the world we are hoping that there is some semblance to normality yeah. right and i think that a lot of these kids in the back of their head are thinking that when they get back to school stuff is going to feel a little more normal i think that yeah. there's this subtle sense of a little bit of stress of the unknown with a lot of us and i think that kids think that they'll have that sense of normality back a little bit yeah. when they get to school i would and i don't it's not going to be there. I don't think so. Um, the masks alone are going to... It is going to be such a vastly different experience for them than they're used to that... It's going to be a whole different world than they're used to. Yeah, that it's going to be hard for them. It's going to be hard. And I really do believe that if it's possible for them to be in school a couple days a week in a safe environment, that it's... It's worth it while it's okay to do. Yeah. But with the understanding that it's not, they are not at all returning to the same school yeah. at all. The same experience. They're not going to be able to interact. Like there's, there's no group work at school. Recess is going to be completely different. There's not going to be opportunities for them to be physically close to their peers. It's a bummer. It's hard. And everybody's going to be wearing masks so that, like... It's already traumatizing seeing other kids in, like, kids seeing other kids in masks yeah. if we go for our walks and stuff yeah. like that. They're great sports. They're doing great. And kids, yeah. they always say kids are resilient. But they are. Still, it, it just, I mean, kids are only resilient because they don't know any better, really. I mean, every single thing that happens in their life establishes that environment. And kids are resilient because of how they respond so much to how we respond. Yes. So if we take a very positive approach to wearing the mask. Flexibility, or, right? Then they, in turn, will be able to roll with the punches yeah. so much more. Why aren't they wearing a mask? Well, everyone gets to make their own yeah. choices. Or how come this and that? Well, yeah. you know, yeah. And I think that goes back to what we were just talking about, too, is setting those routines is... If we want them to be successful, we have to model that for them. Yeah. They are, I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're in kindergarten. I don't care if they're a senior in high school. Even my age. They are looking to someone to show them how to respond to this. Yeah. So <laughs> be that person for them. Yes. Model that person. Be that person. I gotcha. You got me. Thank you. I'm glad <laughs> I'm back to work. <laughs> All right. That good? Yeah. Now, please, guys, leave comments 
on the video and we'll come up with more of these i think that this is a good one to help you guys through this process because i think that we are really well equipped to handle or not handle but to give some guidance it's one thing to be able to take our own advice yeah but i think that we are well equipped to give advice during this situation that's going on so leave comments below like it yep. subscribe and we're going to try to come up with a couple more of these more frequently especially around education and stuff like that right because at the moment there's still i mean it's what august 10th yeah school starts in a month and there's still a ton of unknowns so as we get more information will it because it's always changing and you hear that a lot now since we're at the very end i want you if people have stuck along give us an idea as to what you're doing with your consulting agency okay. for parents so stay tuned because we were talking before about how it takes a village and it and that sense of community mm -hmm. and i think that's going to be something that's really important for families to recognize by the time we release this she'll have it sorted out hopefully yeah we're getting close so there there should be some information coming out about how to not only create a neighborhood pod of similar age students to kind of work together and, and allow parents yep. to to have some time to themselves to do their work but um, to be able to work with a learning coach as well. So we talked about that, how difficult it is for you as a parent to act as a teacher. So we have um, a company that I work for, we've created this, this concept of learning coaches and it's really an accountability coach. The company you work for gets hired by districts in Massachusetts. And can now- The public school district and has been around for how long? 10, ten years and providing And has people that are working for it that are highly, highly sought after yeah. in the state of Massachusetts. Yeah. These are highly qualified people to be consultants for their public yeah. schools. So you as a, as a family would be able to share the cost and hire a learning coach. So somebody who can come in and not just do the remote learning for that group of students, but, but give them that instructional yeah. piece that they might be missing as well so we and should these have learning coaches are what are their qualifications they're certified teachers they're certified teachers who are for whatever reason not working in the field at the moment whether they're retired teachers or teachers or they've just left the field or they're on maternity leave or they're taking a year off yep. um, and then we also have some options for um, tutors as well so they I mean it's kind of like taking a teacher replacing yourself with a teacher in yeah. your home during the yeah. remote learning process and and really trying to elicit that community aspect so and they that, would work with the teacher yep they so would work with your curriculum of neighborhood yep they would help you de de um, decipher the cues and things yep. that we just talked about at the beginning yep they would do all that for you yep and they have prices pretty much figured out but we won't go into that right now yes, we won't get into because that. we haven't finalized everything as of august 10th when we're recording this. Yet, all right that was such a good idea yes i'm so proud of you for that next time we come back and that was all you uh, i know well no ish ish it was a late night it was late night of of lots no of sleep. scribbles the business no side of it, the business uh, they they um trudy took care of yeah took care of it 
So hopefully next time we figure that stuff out. Come together, we'll have some more specifics about that, and then also just more specifics on how to help based on sort of what the trend is in Massachusetts at the moment. Cool. All right, stay tuned, guys. Stay subscribed, and we'll uh, catch you later. I'll wash my hair next time. <laughs> <All right. laughs>